Welcome to the Faithful and True Podcast. Today we are happy to bring another legacy podcast presentation to you. This one again goes back to our time when Dr. Mark Laser was the host of our podcast that was called the Men of Valor Program. This uh, program today is again part two of our program about the lies that we believe. Mm -hmm. You know what's true is we continue to benefit from hearing Mark's voice and for those of you that are familiar with Mark and his legacy, um, the words that he says and how he showed up continues to be a part of what we do here. So enjoy this part two, uh, the lies that we believe. And again, specifically, it's the lies that we believe about sexuality. Today we're continuing series on the lies we believe in our culture, and uh, this is the idea that sex is equal to love. That is a huge equation there, isn't it? Well, you know, I think the way to start off is just to recognize that we use the word love to describe having sex. So we say, I made love to my wife. And that means we had sex. So uh, that's the idea that uh, if we love someone, then we are going to be sexual with them. And I want to get back to the lies that are part of culture. Culture teaches us, I think, that if you love someone, even if you like someone, even if you're kind of a friend with someone, it's okay, therefore, to have sex with them. Uh, that's part of it. But a second part of this, which I think is even more problematical for marriages, is that if our sex life is good, our relationship must be good. If sex is equal to love, then uh, we make the equation that if we're having a lot of sex, if we're having really good sex, if uh, it's all going really well that way, then we must really love each other, we must have a good relationship, everything is wonderful, everything is okay. We tend to use sex as a barometer of relationship. So it's both of those ideas that I kind of want to take a look at today and have the listeners think about. Well, and it's interesting because as you're talking there, I'm thinking uh, thematically, uh, I'm, I could say I made love to my wife last night, and what I meant was I fixed her dinner. You know, you I could did mean that. Yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Is is my my care and uh, and affection for her led me to uh, say you sit, you've worked hard, you know, all week long. Yeah. Uh, let me make dinner tonight, and it's it's an act of love. Well, it could be an act of love, and yeah. you and you might exactly be right. It might be that making dinner for her is more about loving her than anything else. It's, uh, but I do think even as you said it. You know, it's hard to it's hard to make that separation uh, to 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 see your uh, your more important meaning there because I think our entire culture uses the expression uh, we made love. So, mm -hmm. um, partly, you know, what I, I I sometimes think as I as I'm thinking about the shows, uh, uh, I want to try to get the the listeners uh, thinking about you know their own examples of this and. Uh, one of the, the the categories that comes to me is because uh, I like to go to movies and 
uh, uh, I think most of us around here are kind of movie buffs and that kind of thing. And uh, I think about all the movies that we go to that are basically, you know, good movies where uh, the uh, the main characters in the movie. I'm not going to mention any specific movies right now, but the the main characters in the movies are uh, you know men and women that we like. You know, there's some kind of plot uh, about how they they get together or almost get together or get you know you know uh, um, tricked into this or that. Um, but ultimately, you know, one of the ways we know that uh, they get together is that they wind up having sex together. And uh, this could be uh, way before they're even married. But uh, I think of the movies that I've gone to where we kind of celebrate the ending or celebrate some some uh, action in the show where the male and the female character actually wind up, you know, in bed together. And we actually celebrate it because it's the... Uh, it's the culmination of a plot line. It's the which, happy ending it's, that we were hoping it's for. It's the happy ending that we were hoping for. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm hoping that as I'm, I'm I'm trying to stumble my way through that one, that uh, the listeners are uh, maybe relating to their own example from their own movies. I think this goes back, you know, uh, years and years and years and years. So, uh, in terms of you know movie history. Um, but it's still the idea that if you like someone uh, and you're basically uh, falling in love with someone or infatuated with someone or whatever you are or you're starting your relationship with someone, it's therefore okay to go ahead and have sex with them, which is part of, uh, you know, we should say, you know, the secular morality that there is no divine purpose in sexuality, that uh, that sex is reserved for marriage and sex is something that is the expression of the covenant of marriage so when you think about this one that we're talking about today it's like all of that uh, transcendent uh, spiritual truth you know gets thrown out the window sex becomes uh, something that is just uh, an objectified way that we uh, we experience uh, things between people that sort of kind of have to like each other at least a little bit. Well, it's a mutual attraction factor that mm-hmm. um, the spirituality mm-hmm. um, does not enter the the equation uh, in these movies that you're talking right. about. That's you right. you never see uh, a spiritual connection between the couple on the screen. Yeah, that would be rare. Uh, there are a few movies coming out these days that are Christian in nature. We saw a great one last night called God is Not Dead Too. But, uh, you know, we have to recognize that, yeah, this is part of the, uh, the series that we're talking about, that secular culture um, does not have a lot of spiritual values that it's teaching on a regular basis. So there's no transcendent, there's no spiritual reality about sexuality that is being communicated to us, uh, and we need to be careful. Because when we, we are not careful, when we don't think about it, when we don't talk about it, when we don't remind ourselves of what God's truth is, then we can be led to believe that uh, sex is equal to love. And, and I wouldn't be bringing this one up if I didn't see it operate all the time in a lot of Christian marriages, where even though the two people say, okay, we're married now, and okay, you know, we are in the covenant of marriage, we are in the sacrament of marriage, but they're still making the equation that the health of their relationship is based on the uh, uh, sexual uh, performance uh, or the sexual uh, frequency in their marriage. I, I think I, I would like to spend uh, 
you know, the remainder of the time just kind of focused on the the marriage quality of this that uh, we we uh, tend to think, I believe, that our marriages are predicated on sexual health and performance, meaning, uh, well, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about. What do we mean by that? Uh, I think uh, a lot of the men that come in here that I work with, uh, they they do have kind of a subsidiary core belief here that the uh, sexuality in the marriage is better if it is, is quite frequent and uh, 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 sometimes uh, enjoys a certain variety of expression and spontaneity, you know, and those kind of things. And I think it's uh, a very, very dangerous equation to make uh, to think that uh, my wife will love me more if, or does love me more if she says yes to sex, uh, even if she doesn't feel like it. I think that that sometimes goes along with this, that she is, in fact, uh, serving me, being kind to me, nurturing to me, if she uh, uh, is willing to participate, even if for whatever reason and for whatever good reasons, she's uh, not herself in the mood, doesn't really have the energy, uh, doesn't really feel connected to me, but uh, nevertheless goes, goes ahead and participates anyway. And so what, what is your recommendation as you work with all of these men and work with these couples? Um, let's say the situation is that she is, uh, is never as interested as the husband yeah. is. And so mm-hmm. how, how is that appropriately promoted so in a non-aggressive way uh, that would be pleasing to both? Well, I think it's uh, uh, going back to recognizing the uh, what we've been talking about in this series, uh, the spiritual or transcendent reality about sexuality, that sexuality is, in fact, an expression of uh, the spiritual connection between a husband and a wife. So if uh, we talked earlier about the fact that I made love with my wife and that referred to sex, the Bible would say uh, when it when it talks about uh, Adam and Eve having sex together for the first time. Um, it said Adam knew Eve. So uh, it would be, in a way, kind of an interesting thing to experiment, wouldn't it, um, to say about sexuality that uh, I had sex with my wife last night uh, and I really knew her. Uh, uh, I spent time getting to know her emotionally and getting to know her uh, spiritually and that the sex that happened, if it did, were, was, was an expression of that. So I think it's always to remind us to get back to what is the, uh, the higher uh, spiritual truth here, that, uh, that sex is not, in fact, equal to love, that sex does not bring love into the relationship simply by the performance of it. Well, it seems that as we're talking about our world today and culture today, um, never more than current our current world, uh, do we see or observe that theme being promoted? Well, that's that's exactly right. Uh, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to think of examples where, you know, that particular truth or that particular value is being taught. Uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, on the other hand, uh, uh, going back to what we were talking about last week, 
just um, a lot of promotion of just getting as much random sex as you possibly can. So um, uh, what I really wanted to speak to, I think, today in this one is uh, the mistake that I think a lot of people make that uh, uh, about whether or not their husband or their wife loves them in terms of their willingness to be sexual with them. And I'd, I'd like to speak against that, that uh, I know that there have been you know, plenty of times in, in our relationship where you know, uh, uh, sex was not something that was going to happen, but you know, I have learned over the years to not make that association. That, right. Uh, that does not have anything to do with whether or not Debbie, in fact, truly loves me, wants to serve me, uh, cares about me. Uh, and, and all of that. Well, I think that's one of the biggest favors that a husband can can do for himself yeah. is to come to that understanding. Right. That is right. And and by the way, you know, we should recognize that uh, there's times when uh, you know this goes the other direction. I mean, we we uh, we we think that it's always you know the men who are necessarily making this equation, but I think sometimes it's also the women that have been taught this same. Um, equation that sex is equal to love, and uh, so they're uh, operating under the pressure that uh, it's something that you know they need to uh, be involved with. Like I said earlier, they need to submit to or they need to agree to. Uh, an- another part of it is you know uh, even been uh, promoted by some of the uh, popular books in our field uh, about sexual purity that. Uh, uh, if sex is equal to love and a wife loves her husband, she's going to have sex with him every so often. And that will be, you know, the way that he maintains his sexual purity or sexual sobriety. So it kind of becomes the, the wife's responsibility to uh, keep him on the straight and narrow. Keep him on the straight and narrow. So uh, I think, you know, what I would encourage uh, uh, both husbands and wives to uh, think about the idea of the transcendent reality of what the true purpose of sex is and uh, to, you know, maybe even talk with each other about, you know, some of the uh, the equations or the mythologies that uh, they've they've made. Uh, some wives, I think, uh, that I've, I've heard can say, if my husband really loves me, he will, you know, engage in sex with me. He will pursue me. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. And in, in order for me to be attracted to him, you know, I have to be sexually attracted to him. And if he is, in fact, aggressively pursuing that, then he must really love me. So I think, you know, this equation can can get tangled up and uh, we can make all kind of meanings out of it. Uh, well, there are two distinctly different sides of that coin because yeah. you can make the case for the opposite of that. You know, yeah. if if my husband loved me, he would understand when I don't feel yeah. like us having sex right. and and that we can have an enjoyable intimate evening right. without sex being a part of it you know so right. i i can see both sides of that issue that that's uh, that's for certain right that's right well i i would uh, encourage uh, all of our couples and i know we have a lot of couples listening to uh, uh just have a conversation about whatever it is that uh you know, our our brief show here today uh, kind of got you thinking about in terms of 
uh, the meanings that you attach to sexuality. I think well, this that is, would be... this whole subject, this whole conversation, Mark, lends me to think about our newest product on our website. Uh, it's the piece that you and yeah. Debbie have presented about the abstinence contract and the effectiveness right. that abstinence can have in a in a marriage. That is right, and that's a, a tool that we use to help couples kind of fight against this uh, this mistaken lie of culture and this mistaken core belief that sex is equal to love, that, uh, that uh, no, uh, sex is the expression of spiritual and emotional connection between a husband and wife. And so, you know, we do need tools sometimes to help us uh, try to establish that newer meaning or newer uh, uh, equation. So, um, you know, years and years ago, we came up with the idea that uh, a couple could take a time out. Uh, it's really based on 1 Corinthians 7, 5, that uh, Paul teaches us that, you know, you can uh, deprive each other for a time by mutual consent uh, so that you can devote yourself to prayer and fasting. So um, the abstinence contract is really about a couple really wanting to uh, take any stress or tension about sexual performance, sexual frequency, sexual meanings, you know, out of the relationship for a time, uh, and but during that time, we're going to want them to really do something to increase their uh, spiritual spiritual connection. connection right, right, right. So it's really not just an abstinence contract; it's really a spirituality contract. Recognizing that uh, a lot of couples just haven't uh, taken the time to uh, have some kind of spiritual discipline to promote their own uh, spiritual connection and. Uh, uh, this gives them the opportunity. There will be no question. You know, you will not be sexual. So, you know, I, I think it's amazing how many couples go through stress each day about whether there's going to be sex that day or sex that week or, you know, how often or when and who's going to initiate, who's not, who's going to say yes, who's going to say no. It's the elephant in the room, it isn't is it? It is the elephant in the room for a lot of couples, which they don't really talk about. But it does create a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. And uh, over the years, maybe a lot of disappointment, a lot of misperceptions of the other person and whether or not they truly love me or not and all of that kind of thing. So, you know, this is the opportunity to uh, take that stress out of the relationship and really focus on first things first. That uh, when a couple engages in the act of marriage, uh, in the covenant of marriage, you know, they should really know each other, uh, uh, be soul friends. They should be soulmates going into that marriage. And therefore, when sex happens, uh, it is a true expression of that knowing. And some couples just never, ever even got to that point, you know, where they, they have that kind of knowledge of each other, even going into marriage. So um, this is perhaps a course correction. And you could be 10, 15, 20, 30, or even 40 years down the road in your marriage. And I think it's not too late to uh, to make this course correction. So uh, the, the the information about how to set it up is on the the website. If you need more help with us, uh, uh, with it, you know, then you of course can call us and that kind of thing. But uh, you know, Debbie and I are are really kind of uh, in this season of our life, you know, trying to uh, get uh, some of the main tools that we use with people. We're trying to get them into writing, and we're trying to uh, uh, get them available for people to to use so that they can be helpful. Thank you for joining us today for this legacy presentation of the Faithful and True podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed uh, hearing again the words of wisdom and knowledge from Dr. Mark Laser. 
We hope that uh, his message uh, rings true for you and has been beneficial. We hope that this coming week for you will be a week that's filled with many blessings and with great vision.